Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured Premier League matches number 25 and 26 against Everton and Bournemouth. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm at Disney World. What could be bad, right? <laughs> I was about to say, I, knowing knowing where you are, I, I was going to comment, we are both in, I think, some of the happiest places on Earth, you being in Disney World, and I am... Uh, well, I'm with Arsenal on top of the league, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been funny. Um, my my father has been wearing on this trip um, the Arsenal hat that I got him as a Hanukkah gift last year, and he's definitely had uh, people uh, saying, "Hey, nice hat," and stuff like that. That's that's been uh, fun for him, and uh, it was funny because uh, earlier today we went on the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run ride, and you basically have like three pairs of people that are each given like one of three roles you have the two pilots you have the two engineers but my dad and i were both the gunners <laughs> so that was uh Perfect. that was funny when i pointed out to him yeah <laughs> yeah the head on and everything made it official so <laughs> so uh couple items of follow-up. Um, first of all, so last week we had some recording difficulties that led to me uh, repeating my observations about halftime duration multiple times. And the take that I ended up going with, I didn't realize until after we released, I somehow latched onto the wrong word when I was reading my bullet point that I wanted to talk about. And I was saying, I think multiple times, replay duration. I was not talking about replay duration. I meant to be talking about, and I did talk about, halftime duration, just in case that wasn't clear to anybody, just because I'm, I'm embarrassed by that. So <laughs> halftime duration is, is what I was referring to. And the re word replay got stuck in my head for some reason. So whoops. Um, also to continue the saga of my uh, Martinelli jersey that I'm trying to acquire, um, there, there were some interesting developments with the one that arrived uh that was too small so i requested a uh return and refund and i got an email back from the company which by the way they, they have an address in florida in the united states and i called the phone number that they have listed on the website it's a very official looking website phone number they listed our address and everything I call the number both times it goes straight to voicemail during normal business hours in the u.s that's that's a little unusual that was like kind of the second thing that raised my hackles the first being that this shipped from china which you know i'm used to things from apple shipping from china they're manufactured there and they're very often shipped directly from the factory but clothing that's a little weirder but fine there's maybe some manufacturing process as far as applying the patch or like the the crest on it because this doesn't that league that uh, jersey actually didn't have the premier league patch um it just had the arsenal crest and then applying the name and number i figure okay well maybe there somehow it's just shipping direct from china that's maybe maybe it's supply constrained they're shipping them as fast as they can make them and that's why arsenal doesn't have any on their site yet I'm, I'm coming up with all justifications in my head for this as i'm waiting for it to get to me from china right so yeah so that was the first thing that raised my hackles the second thing was the phone number going straight to voicemail that was a little weird the third thing was when I sent an email asking for a refund and I got a reply and I got a reply back within a reasonable time frame. But the reply was kind of in broken English, like using kind of text speak abbreviations and just not what I would expect from the customer organ customer service, customer service or customer support organization of, of a good website. Right. And so once I got that email, it was like three strikes and I was like, wait a second. And I started Googling a little bit and I landed on the unfortunate Reddit thread titled something to the effect of I just purchased an Arsenal jersey from insert website name here that I don't want to draw undue attention to. <laughs> Is it a scam? <laughs> and it's never a good sign, sir. Right. So I found that and the answer wasn't really it wasn't a scam. People like me are receiving actual jerseys, but it does seem resoundingly likely that it they are counterfeit jerseys. They are not mm. officially licensed, although they look really close. And the the kicker was that <laughs> the the jersey is close to the list price if I were to buy it from Arsenal, which, as a reminder, I didn't because they've been out of stock for months and months. And I want to get it before all they start selling is the 23 to 24 season jersey. I want to get this season's jersey. So... 
I'm not, I, they may not come back in stock. The the authentic jerseys may not be back in stock for the rest of the season. They're not commenting on it. I have no idea. And I wanted to get one. Yeah. So, so basically I, I, first of all, I think the sizing is probably still right. It did look like it was the right Adidas Jersey that was then in a counterfeit manner made to look like an Arsenal jersey. It did look like the fabric itself was right. Now, of course, does this affect the sizing? I don't know how they are sourcing these things. If they're like jerseys that fall off the back of a truck and they try to sort them the best they can without any tags and then they add the tags on afterwards. Like, I, I don't know what a counterfeiting operation looks like in here or yeah. in China, but I'm yeah, at least, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the long short version is, you know, when you, when you, because of the popularity of the sport, you're going to find that there's a high opportunity. There's a lot of opportunities out there for counterfeiters because it's it, it, the global popularity, right? There's a worldwide market for these things, sure. especially for a club like Arsenal. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I have to say we, we didn't really talk about this, but I mean, understandably, obviously, the desire to buy the, the kit from the club. I mean, it, it, it reminds me very much of what I tell my students when they when they look to buy books. You know, I understand not wanting to go to the bookstore. There's a bit of a markup. But you, the, the larger and more reputable the seller, the better off you're going to be because the lower down the totem pole you right. are, you, uh, what's the line? You get what you pay for, so to speak. So, um, yeah, yeah. P- PSA yeah, there is so just you be very, providence matters. It does. So just a couple more minor notes. So this, I, like, just trying to figure out whether the sizing was correct, right? Because as far as I'm concerned, like, okay, well, whatever size jersey that was definitely doesn't fit. Is it really a 2XL in the authentic Adidas jersey? Um, I'm going to have to guess yes, because the authentic isn't really available from anywhere else anyways from legitimate sites. So I basically resigned myself to getting the regular jersey, not the authentic one. And there are some legitimate sites besides Arsenal um, selling them, um, whereas there really aren't many at all selling the authentic one. And I did get one. I did get it from us from a site that was not Arsenal Direct only because with Arsenal Direct, once you customize it, you can't return it. And I'm still kind of like everything in my mind is up in the air about the sizing now after this experience, <laughs> rightly or wrongly. Right. So I would, I figure, but I would, I would yeah, say, so, I would say, yeah, I would say though, because of, because of the sourcing of it, this, that I'm sure also plays into the sizing issues that you, you dealt with. So that's just, it, it could be right. Well, exactly. It could be that if I got the two X from Arsenal Direct, maybe it would fit me. That is, possible and maybe i'll go down that road at some point in the future I, i'd also like to lose weight to the point where i know whatever i buy should fit anyways or at least that there is a size that fits but that's another issue but anyways so um the the other thing is too like it, it kind of justifying a little bit why i would buy it from a no-name site is like i've been when i was searching for goalkeeper stuff like just equipment that i need to play the game like i'm just searching all over the place there's so many soccer sites out there and mm-hmm. this is a new world to me how do you judge whether something is legitimate or not like they it was a professional looking website it did not look shady or scammy they had a <laughs> wide range of jerseys from tons of international leagues all over the place the images all look good their ordering process looked good like it everything seemed good i'll need to make sure in the future i go the extra step of searching for whether or not the site is legitimate beforehand instead of after and uh, this yeah. may have an ultimately mostly happy ending like they said send it back give us the tracking number and we'll get you a refund now here we are you know it's like three four days later i haven't gotten that refund yet but you know i'll I'll be, I'll be keeping tabs on it and disputing the charge with the credit card company if i don't get the full refund back that i was promised but anyways so yeah buyer beware uh heads up guys <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's, you know, again, that's that, this again, the same kind of thing like we said, you know, you're, you're, yeah, I mean, the, again, it, it's just one of those, you have to, you have to sort of be in that world for a little bit to sort of determine who the, who, who the, who the, the, the big players are, who the, who the reliable uh, audiences are. And especially because it's an English league, so many of them are coming from other parts of the world. I mean, Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, the club. I mean, I understand the club being higher priced, but it's usually a more reliable site. Although, of course, obviously, you've got the the difficulty of their availability. Um, well, right. Yeah, I was not trying then, to yeah. cut costs. That was not the primary concern. Yeah, 
Right, but I mean, you certainly let's put it this way: if you were, you certainly wouldn't be the first. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, but, uh, right. <laughs> you, yeah, it's just kind of one of those. You know, the manufacturer is another good site as well. You can, you know, you can go straight to Adidas themselves. I mean, you're probably not going to see a great deal of difference between their availability and the clubs, but it just sort of depends how you. Mm. I did. That. I did actually go to Adidas. Um, the problem is Adidas. I, either they don't put the player name and number on the jerseys, which is a requirement for me. I want Martinelli's name and number on there. Um, or if they do, I maybe wasn't confident that it would be the Premier League font. That mm. was there. There was a reason I didn't buy it from Adidas, and I yeah. and I think they didn't even give the authentic jerseys as an option, which is weird. You you would hope that they would because those are Adidas too, obviously. But yeah, I, I ended up buying it from uh, Kitbox is the name of the site that I bought this latest one from, which I'm not going to receive it until I'm back from vacation uh, a week or two. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a, I guess Kitbox is run by Fanatics, so mm, that's okay. you know. That's that's a yeah. big name operation. Um, yeah, fa- yeah. Fanatics that, is sort so. of the big. Um, actually, I wonder if you could go straight to Fanatics itself. Um, there are they're the they basically. I don't know. I landed every, on Kitbox from that Reddit thread. So yeah. they basically run every major uh, every major American sports leagues uh, team shops. So um, they, oh, okay. they, which which generates a lot of reaction. <laughs> There's people who don't care for that, but you know it, it is. What oh, it is. okay. <laughs> Um, but I yeah. mean, you know, the, mm-hmm. yeah, if you go, if you go to some team's website, like, you know, the Yankees or the Chicago bears or whoever you go to their, yeah, they're just went to their website. They're the official partner of the NFL, major league baseball, the NBA, the NHL, the PGA, right. MLS, NASCAR, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Oh my goodness. So yeah. yeah, they've, they've cornered. Well, I knew I'd heard of them before. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've cornered the market on the major yeah. ones. So make of that what you okay, will. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, in cheerier news, uh, we played Everton, which was our game in hand uh, this past week on March 1st. That was that was fun. That was, that was definitely a fun match to watch. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it, it, it turned into a fun one at the end. It got a little uh, it was a little interesting for a while. Um, but overall, you know, we're. we're people have sort of highlighted in the last couple of weeks, obviously we'll talk about, we'll talk a little bit about the Bournemouth game, but also um, uh, was it Aston Villa where we had the, had the, the late winner off of Mart- Emmy Martinez's head. You know, we've also had games like Leicester where we dominated them and then Everton where we dominated them. And it, you know, really was, we, we've sort of talked about this in some other contexts that, you know, you uh, particularly Bukayo Saka who gets the opening goal it, to have a player who can have that sort of moment of brilliance where there's, it, it, as the opposition, there's really nothing you can do about it. And as you saw there, yeah. he, he just has that moment of brilliance and there's really nothing uh, Everton could do about it. And especially after losing to them a few weeks ago was was a delightful outcome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely felt like, yeah, see, see, that's the way it should be. <laughs> Yeah, but 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 sort of but, the big advantage we had there compared to the other game, um, you know, in the other game, Everton scored first, and as we'll talk a little bit about Bournemouth as well, it really changes the complexion <laughs> yeah. of the game. That a, te- a team that can can sort of control the flow of the game with soccer with so few goals, one goal makes a big difference. You know, like we talked about before, right. like at some point earlier this season, um, you know, would you rather have a red card or a penalty? I, you take the penalty because you take the goal. Goals, goals change games. You can really see that right. tactically how tactically how that is playing out. Um, and yeah, so in the case you know for Everton, they didn't get that early goal. They played pretty well overall in the first half, I thought. But then we we were able to squeeze in two goals before the half, and and then the second half was uh, it was a training session. We we just sort of ran the game and did whatever we wanted, which is which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now there, there's some good plays throughout. I mean, it was good to see Emil Smith Roback. He he also factored in for a little while during the Bournemouth match. Um, but good to see him getting some play time yet. We, we haven't seen Enkedia, um again this week. So I guess. Yeah. Enkedia yeah. picked up. I said Enkedia <laughs> picked up a knock somewhere. I think they said it was late in the. Uh... Gosh, I've already forgotten the last game. Late in the Leicester game, he apparently picked up a knock. I, I um, don't remember. I didn't remember seeing if he was on the bench for Everton, but he definitely wasn't. 
uh, for Bournemouth. So, oh, uh, that's, okay. Yeah, so which is partly why you would think, based on the way the Bournemouth game was playing out, he's a guy you would want to pull on. We didn't have him. He was. He's not. Uh, right. Again, he he wasn't a hundred. He wasn't ready to play, which uh, is is. You know, not great. Uh, you know, Jesus is is well, present with the team and is running, but isn't ready yet. So yeah, there's a little bit of yeah, a little bit of nervousness there, and and we can talk about Trossard as well. But um, yeah, we're yeah we're having to pull kind of a little bit deeper into our bench. Yeah. Yes, I mean, but it's fortunate to have you know Emil Smith Rowe coming back. You know, Reese Nelson was out for was, it was injured for a little bit, so to have him able to come in uh, on the weekend was you know. Re- Regardless of the result, it was good to have him available to come in like that. So sure, it's it's going to be, yeah. I mean, we're you know that's that's sort of the deal with a long season is you get stretched and you're going to have those moments. I mean, remember we played the first uh, we played the first city game without Thomas Party, without uh, and without Gabriel Jesus. Mm-hmm. So those those things are going to happen. It's how you respond in those moments. And we were well against Everton. It was fine because they kind yeah. of stink, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> you said it before and you'll say it again (laughs) i mean and and look you want to you want to show respect to your opposition and they're all professionals um (laughs) but there's a reason they sit what 18th in the table there's a reason bournemouth is 19th Mm. in the table that these teams have struggled this season uh but as we get to the end we've talked about this too as we get to the end these teams increasingly have more and more to play for the chance of saving themselves from relegation and that makes them difficult and in a way that they maybe wouldn't be right. earlier in the season. More tenacious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, I want one particular unclear moment during this match was uh, in the 46th minute. So this was, it ended up counting as the second goal, but there was a, a lengthy VAR review where there was potential offsides and I just didn't catch even watching the review multiple times. I I didn't get exactly what the situation was there where I think Saka, it looked like had the last touch before it went to Martinelli. Yeah. So, so or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happens there is the defender and I forget who it was. Um, I don't I don't remember you know basically makes a mistake he's too casual on the ball he sort of doesn't yeah. quite recognize how much pressure he's under Saka comes up behind him and is essentially able to poke the ball away if you look at Saka who gets his foot on the right. ball pushes it away and he pushes it into an open area where Martinelli's running he picks it up and finishes right um and so what they were measuring there was a chance for offside because Saka is the one essentially making the pass because he's the one who pokes the ball and pushes it forward. What they're looking for is offside. Where was Martinelli relative to the next to last defender when Saka makes contact with the ball? And and they actually do measure it to see that he is uh, he's he is about as even with the defender as it can be. He's onside. That's what they were measuring. Whether Saka was onside or Martinelli? No, no, uh, no, Martinelli, Martinelli. Because Saka has the ball. That's, the so that's the bo- how I the, thought yeah. that it should have worked. Right. Right. The player with the ball can never be offside. Right. And it looked to me, I guess, for, for some reason, when I was looking at the review, it looked to me like Martinelli was offside. Like he was too far forward that his I forget if it was his shoulder or, or what it was. I don't have it up right now, but it, I guess it wasn't. But it looked like he was past the 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 the, the last defender. So I guess not. But OK, so they were judging based on when Saka poked it away. Right, he's he's certainly very close, and it was close, and that's why VAR came in. But you can also see, like when they when they actually measured it, they they drew the lines. Maybe we'd, I don't think we saw it on the broadcast, but they do draw the lines, and um, and he was onside when the ball was played. He's actually behind, uh, behind the defender. Okay. So, or I should say, not behind the defender. I guess technically, so he was he was onside. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that was a that was a fun match. Um, <laughs> the Bournemouth match was really it was another one of these nail biters with uh, a high degree of elation at the end. Um, this is the one for anyone for whom it's not currently uh, 
recent enough to remember in detail. This was the one where Bournemouth scored, what was it, nine seconds into the match? <laughs> Uh, yeah, nine seconds in, which, which, by the way, apparently is the second fastest goal in the history of the Premier League. Right. So what I want to know is that taken along with how late we scored, I wonder if that is the fewest number of seconds before the first goal combined with after the last goal, that's probably that, going to be a record. Uh, th- there is, there was some stat. There's so many, been so many stats about this one floating around. There was some <laughs> stat about the amount of time, basically for a, a goal to be scored so early and so late. And I'm trying to now. I'm just flipping through all the right, various probably the I've, number right, probably the amount of time between the first and last goal. Because yeah, it was like in the 97th minute that they scored the last one. Yeah, but but even just yeah, but I mean, for it to and, be ninety six yeah. and change between the two of them, that's got to be a record of some kind. <laughs> it just just um, I I I just don't even know, man. <laughs> There's so much of that game I can just say, man, I just don't even know. It was it. Ah, yeah. yeah, I still I still sort of processing that entire game. Um, uh, but but I'll say this, you know, even when they went down two nil. There's something about this team that even when they went down 2-0, I sort of said, you know, I shouldn't believe, but I don't think we're out of this yet. And and we weren't. Believe. Yeah, I, this, believe. We're getting back to Ted Lasso territory now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, we were, we were, of course, going crazy after the goal. And, you know, one of the things that was getting thrown out there, I think I may have said it, was, you know, this team, this team deserves your belief. Like, they... They have earned that, that when they go down 2-0, like, you don't have, they're not going to pack it in. Uh, someone else after the game said, the problem with Arsenal is they don't know when they're beaten. Um, Tongue-in-cheek, mm. of course, you know, that's obviously it. But it, they, <laughs> they were, and I mean, that, of all the replays and videos, we'll, we'll get to the end. I, I can't, I have to stop talking about the end of the game because we have to get to there first. But just the... <laughs> the the reaction and the energy from the, from the stadium at the end is just there's there this is a special team and you know yeah I mean yeah obviously you always hope they finish off and and win a title but man they really have to win this thing after the way this season has gone so oh, far sure. be, I mean man this is this is this is a special group it really is yeah they've had they've but had yeah a they, lot of really memorable moments yeah. Yeah, but then again, yeah, it, giving up a goal nine seconds in was less than ideal. Let's just say that. Well, so that's what I was going to ask before. So how did that happen? It's just like even watching the replay, I don't understand how they let that through. Like, how did they well, get yeah. into that position? <laughs> well, there's there's two things that happened there. One, and, and I think we should give credit to, to Bournemouth, it's a set play. They come in, they have a, they have, and you, if you actually look right as they line up at the beginning, and I kind of noticed this, I didn't say anything, but I, it sort of seemed off to me. If you look, they had something like three or four guys lined up on the half, on the near side of the halfway line. Like they were overloading to that side mm-hmm. and it looks, it looks strange. Um, it was, it was funny. So I'm going to relate this to a different story and hopefully I can bring it back to Arsenal. So about. Gosh, oh gosh, this has been close to ten years ago, which just makes me feel old to say it. Um, I was watching a, 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 it was a college football national championship game, and one of the sort of special things they did on the broadcast was they had they have the regular game broadcast, but ESPN set up a separate room where a bunch of coaches were watching the game and sort of commenting on things as were going on, and it was kind of interesting to sort of hear their perspective hmm. on what was happening. And at some sure. point in the game one of the teams ran a fake punt and it was a big moment in the game. And it was, a, it, it helped, uh, you know, shift the momentum. And there's a clip circulating around after the game that they watched the coaches feed. And as soon as they lined up, every coach around the table goes, Oh, it's a fake. They're running a fake. It's a fake punt. Oh, wow. It's just something about, there's just something about, they watched the way they lined up and they said, this is not normal. It just clicks in your head. Something's not normal. And as I was watching them, just think, I mean, not, I'm not a coach. I'm not going to, but just watching going, well, that seems weird. And if you watch, it's a set play. They're all going to certain places. Now, having said that, uh, right. two things. One, the ball still takes a couple deflections before it gets in for the goal. So there's a, still a bunch of things had to mm-hmm. go right for Bournemouth. I mean, frankly, you know, the other bit, Bournemouth Some luck involved, well. yeah. 
I mean, Bournemouth executed well. We also just weren't switched on enough. Like, you've, you've got to be ready from the opening kick, especially if they're going to do that. Um, the other thing, and this actually came up in the post game, um, Bournemouth is actually offside. That actually a couple of the, a couple of Bournemouth players are across the center line huh. before the, the ball is actually kicked to begin. There, which because it's the opening kickoff, oh. you have to be on your side of the line. Now, on right, some level, right. that's arguably nitpicking, which is fair enough, but you know, they caught it resulted penalties. in a goal. <laughs> well, it resulted in a goal. And also, I mean, given the way ga- the game played that played out, I mean, what if that was the difference in the game? I mean, you know, I mean it would have been right. it was a missed call and it feels ticky tacky it kind of is and it wasn't the only they, one in that game either yeah but the, yeah well they <laughs> but they but you know they'll take away penalties you know the players aren't supposed to go into sure. the box until the penalty is kicked and they i i i've seen it happen multiple times in different leagues and different tournaments where they'll watch on VAR players stepped over the line before the kick and they will make them do it again so it wouldn't be the craziest decision in the world um, but just luckily it didn't work out. And, and, you know, it's somewhat credit to Bournemouth for executing well and, and getting the goal. And it really let them, it really let them dictate how, it, well, dictate to some extent how the game was going to go. Well, yeah, I'll certainly be paying more attention to kickoffs now than I ever have before. Cause I would have <laughs> never noticed that anything was off at all. Cause I, I just don't look at it. I, I it was, <laughs> it's never mattered before. <laughs> it's a, yeah. And it's a, it's a set play and you know, you sort of see those every now sure, and again. Yeah, and, that's and, true. And, and, it's, it's a dead, it's a dead ball play like anything else. Yeah. And it, it caught us napping. I, there's no other way to say it. It caught us napping. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for uh, breaking that down. That, that was helpful. Um, one one thing that I noticed when they were showing the the lineup, so we were treated to either their away kit or their third kit or something from Bournemouth, and it was just black and fine. But the, when they were showing the the starting lineup for the team, um, they I guess they were showing were their home jerseys, and they're they're these awful like fluorescent red with black like zigzags, and this just looks like the goalie jerseys that I was given as a youth player that are just like, they just stay with the team and they're reused from year to year. And they just look like garbage and they're meant to like, not look like it, obviously with the keeper jerseys, they're meant to not look like any, any other team Jersey that you would want more than one person wearing, but Oh, what uh, is that? Like, is that what they're all, what they always look like? Or is that just different this season? And it looks like that. Is that what, what are their jerseys usually look like? Yeah. So, so Bournemouth is traditionally red and black stripes. That's their, like you can see on their, on their logo, that's their, or their crest. That's the color, the red and black. Okay. Um, And it, it's one of those like Arsenal. If you look at Arsenal's kits over the years, I mean, there's, in some respects, there's only so many ways to do red with white sleeves. There's only so many ways to do black and white vertical stripes. And this, <laughs> that, so that is this year's design for them with the lightning bolts. It's, it's not great. I, I, oh, it's supposed to be lightning. It, I, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know that it's supposed to be lightning, but that's the, the zigzag <laughs> yeah. style. It's, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't disagree. It's not great. Um, that, you know, they're generally yeah. a classy, more, a little classier, uh, you know, vertical red and black stripes and they'll vary. Um, you know, the width of them and the number of them. Uh, they have this really interesting one okay. from recent years. Oh, no, it was uh, from 2021 where they, you got to look this up, and they sort of fade red and black up and down. It's it's actually kind of interesting. It's not terrible. But, yeah, again, if you're coming out with new shirts every year, there's only so many ways to do some of these designs. And yeah. that's what they tried this year. And, uh, well, you know what? Not all of them are winners. It's just, just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, also a little ways in the, the commentator had referred to Bournemouth as I, I couldn't quite catch what he said. And I think I even rewound it because I was watching the replay and tried listening again. I couldn't tell if he said Jerry's or cherries. Is this a, like some nickname for the team or is it their, is it their actual name that just isn't used very often? Like what, do you know what he was saying? Yes. The cherries, uh, like the fruit that's, okay. that is their, okay. uh, that that's their nickname, uh, the cherries. They, okay. I mean, red is their predominant because of color. The cherry and red, so, yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. It's it. I mean, you, you, a lot of these teams, like their nicknames, are basically based on their colors. Uh, you know, I mean, you'll still hear Arsenal mm-hmm. referred to as the Reds or Liverpool as the Reds, mm-hmm. United's the Red Devils, uh, Chelsea are the Blues. I mean, sometimes it really just as simple as the colors. And cherries has stuck as a nickname for Bournemouth. Uh, so yes, it it is cherries uh, like the fruit, and you'll occasionally see. Um, 
you know images tied to the club with using using cherries as a as a symbol other than their their typical crest which oh, is okay. this head with long hair and the ball and it, it i don't love it but it's not for me so yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah so getting getting back to the the actual match i mean yeah I, I think this goes along with what you were saying before about arsenal's performance in this match and how they did end up hanging on and and never giving up like the first, I'd say easily 15 to 20 minutes, like a majority of the first half, they seemed like really ticked off that Bournemouth scored <laughs> that nine second goal. And they were just relentless. They had like three attempts within five minutes or something. Like it was just, you could tell they really wanted to get that goal back right away. And it didn't, it didn't end up working out for them, but the intensity yeah. was there. Yeah, I, and I thought they I thought they played really well overall after after conceding the goal. I it, it was at a point as I watched them and sort of said to myself, if we keep playing like this, we're going to score, we're going to be okay. And we didn't quite get one in the half, but yeah, and and some of that was Bournemouth. I mean, they sat very deep. You saw they were dropping ten guys. I think at one point their formation was something like a six three one. I mean, they were hmm. just they were sitting back, they were defending, and they were hanging on for most of the game, which was you know the goal sort of really changed the complexion again changed the complexion of the game that allowed them to be more defensive right. i did think they were they we looked a little shaky defensively in the first half uh they were able to generate a couple opportunities uh ramsdale had to make one or two really yeah. big saves uh, including one that at uh, least two been, yeah <laughs> yeah one would have been called off or offside uh i think would have been called right. off or offside uh at least i hope it would have been i think it looked like that yeah um right so yeah, 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 we went after we went after them and some of that's again that's that's our style. We're going to dominate possession, we're going to dominate the ball, we're going to carve out those chances and you know, you may take 17 corners but you're you're going to eventually the <laughs> yeah. dam's going to you, you hope if you keep doing that the dam's going to break. Oh yeah, and they were showing the possession stats. I mean, you'd see we were an order of magnitude greater in passes. Like we'd be in the mid four hundreds, and they're like in the mid sixties. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was just like nuts how much we dominated the offensive portion of of the match. And yeah, it it kind of felt like, come on, we have to score, right? You can't try this hard this long with such a good lineup and not eventually <laughs> score. Um, yeah, one thing that. Yeah, one one thing that was weird though. So Trossard got hurt early on, and they brought on Emil Smith Rowe as a substitute. But then Emil Smith Rowe got substituted later on for Reese Nelson. Um, is that common? Is that because Smith Rowe may have been getting fatigued because he's like still coming back from his injury? Like, do you know what happened? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it wouldn't surprise me if there was a plan to bring on Smith Rowe in the second half, sort of like we saw with with Party in the last week uh, coming back mm-hmm. in, or even like we saw with Smith Rowe. I think in the it, also in the um, in the Everton game, bring him on a little later, you know, get him a run out, help him get fitness. Uh, you know, he's he's not he's clearly not at this point uh, in his recovery a, a ninety minute player, which is fine. But yeah, you saw he comes on. Um, he comes on much earlier and that's uh right you know that and 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 it got to a point where he sort of i I just wasn't gonna he he wasn't gonna last the whole game typically that's that's really bad that's really a bad thing like if a player a substitute has to be subbed off generally speaking that's a bad sign but i i certainly i don't i wasn't i don't think anybody was really surprised when he came off yeah he came let's see he came on Look at the twenty second minute and came off in the sixty ninth minute. So he was on for. Hold on, I have to do math. This is going to take me a little while. Um, <laughs> it's on for about fifty minutes. On for on for it looks like a little less than an hour, yeah. which is you know pretty. Yeah, it's is, a, it's you know a, again, about a half. He played about a half yeah. altogether. Yeah. So coming on. So you know, come for for a guy still coming back from injury, and you know, again, we brought on Reese Nelson. But you know, if you look at the rest of the, I mean, look at the other guys we had on the bench. I mean, geez. You know, we're we're a little light up top when Trossard got hurt. Uh, you know, we had I mean your next best option is Granite Jacques, who's you know Yeah, who did come on really, later anyways. <laughs> yeah, it, well yeah, he get right, he comes on later. But also he's you know, he's not really an offensive threat in the way you would want them to be. No. So we were a little light up top. And so to have Reese Nelson there to come on that way, um I, I guess we'll be curious to see what the deal is with Trossard. I, obviously I hope it's 
I mean, he's just – and Arteta and Arsenal have just been so tight when it comes – tight-lipped when it comes to injuries. You, you don't really know, but obviously we hope he's mm-hmm. – hope he's, hope he's good. We, you know, we have uh, – we have four games left in the month of March, two, or eight, two each over the next two weeks. Um, you know, we're going to need – we're going to need bodies. Uh, we'll see. So hopefully with Trossard, it's not serious. Yeah. All right, so was there uh, anything else you wanted to talk about with this match? Um, well, I mean, aside from, I assume we're going to save save our our big pe- the 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 winner and stuff at the end. Uh, but um, well, yeah. Well, what what do you want to talk about with that? Well, I will. Well, I'll hold off on that. I mean, I thought we did. I mean, you know, obviously Nelson is, um, you know, Nelson's the hero of the game, obviously for the winning goal. But yeah. frankly, since he, from the moment he came on, he was involved. He was dangerous. He makes the cross that Ben White puts in, uh, for for what ends up being the right. tying goal, which I mean was a, a really, quite frankly, yep. an incredible job by the keeper to get to it. But then if they, they have the. Um, I think it's called Hawkeye. It's the same technology they use in tennis to determine balls being in or out. They saw the ball was right. across the line, and and the referee right there on the field call. I mean, I assume because he was getting told in his ear what had happened, but I mean, he calls it pretty much right away. So, admittedly, it was a little yeah, he did. And what I, happened? That no, that's true. I don't think you would have needed anything more than VAR to determine it, though. It was pretty obvious he was well inside the goal when he bounced that back out. Like you, you could pretty easily tell it wasn't a close call. I don't think. Well, I think Hawkeye probably depend- caught it quicker, yeah. but well, but just part of it just depends on the angle. So when we saw it, when I watched it, it looked like just a great save because you can't really see the angle where it might go in. I mean, yes, once you get the replay and slow right. it down and. Uh, Right, it's on obvious the replay, that it I'm crosses about. the line. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So, but yeah, in the moment, and you know, again, we we've complained about VAR and replay and all of that, but to me, that's a case of that working exactly the way it's supposed to. They they were watching, they saw it, yeah. they went, made the call down, and the referee said, "Nope, you're right. That's a goal. It's over." Uh, you know, take the ball to the middle. Um, you know, just I mean, you know, our our our, our three goals were scored by Thomas Party, Ben White, and Reese Nelson, who are. Not the guys you would have picked uh, to to come up with goals in a game like that, but but thank goodness. No, I mean they said it was Ben White's first Premier League goal. I think didn't they? Well, was, was it? Um, I didn't catch that. I could be. I mean, he's a defender. It was some some kind of first of for him, right? He, he, exactly. It, it was some kind of first for him. They said, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it would be his first of the season at least. I, I um, but could, could yeah, be maybe, his first. but. Could be his first in the league, and that I don't remember. We'll have to check and follow up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was a great play, and then yeah, I mean, oh my goodness! So um, the goal that Nelson ended up scoring in, like, literally at literally the last minute, um, that if I'm remembering right, that was off of a corner kick, right? It was a corner kick attempt that got deflected out, and then he got to it. And knocked it in, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was our it was our seventeenth corner of the game, <laughs> which Ridiculous, is a, which yeah. is a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, our <laughs> second one that we capitalized on, which is good for us. Like you know, we had um, we had an earlier one. I think uh, party uh, parte party um, that he was able to get in right off the rebound. Yeah, he well his his was that cross that came over to him from uh I didn't see I don't remember who made the who made the pass on that one. Um but yeah, he does a nice job yeah. finishing off coming up. Again, sort of the thing the ball comes in, it's cleared but not out, and then it comes back to an Arsenal right. player who's able to put it in. Party does that and then yeah, right. Nelson and 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 I got to say, I mean even when that ball comes to Nelson, that's an incredibly difficult play he's making that that half volley um, oh yeah, and and to do it, of course, in the moment. I mean, you know, most guys will tell you, and you talk about, hear athletes talk about this. They don't really think about the pressure or anything in the moment because it all happens so fast. And right, but it, I mean, that play is so easy to just get under the ball and just sky it into the second mm-hmm. deck. Mm-hmm. And he places that shot perfectly. I it just a. Just yeah. an absolutely brilliant play. And just, I mean, 
That was awesome. Everything about this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, like I'd been I'd been resigned to all. Huh? I guess one point is better than none. <laughs> and then then he does that, and I was through the roof. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 you know, and and to his credit, I mean, Nelson is is roughly the same age as guys like Smith Rowe and Saka. He came up with those guys. He's an academy kid too. He's you know, since he's been a, a child, he's been with Arsenal. Um, you know, his de- because of some injuries and because of other things, he hasn't. De- he certainly hasn't developed like Bukayo Saka, who is you know a star. I mean, a legitimate megastar right. in this league. Um, but even you know Smith Rowe has had some good moments, has some key points, and, and Nelson hasn't quite reached that. And you know, some of that's he hasn't quite broken into the first team. He's he's this season is just coming back from an injury, and so to do to go through all of that, I mean. You know, they they showed at the end where the players run over to the the clock end, the the end uh, it, where Ramsdale was was in net this in the second half. They're running over there to yeah. you know salute the fans, and they gave they gave Nelson the moment, you know, you know by himself to be the only guy there while everyone applauded him. I mean, that honestly, that might end up being one of the greatest moments of his entire life. Sure, which is it's just kind of an odd thing to say about someone who's twenty one, but I mean. When you think about how how much they put into being in the position they're in, and how long he's been with Arsenal, and talk about what he's been through, and you know to play a role like that on the, again talk about maybe this is a special season, it, you know, it, to to have that particular moment is just it it's just really it's just really great. You feel you feel you feel really good for the guy um, as, as a person beyond oh, just sure. obviously as a, a player on your team. Um, and then you just watch afterwards the the celebrations. I I sent you a, a an article, sort of somewhat of tongue in cheek, breaking down the celebrations in the aftermath. But I mean the the place goes absolutely ballistic. Uh, the, the the stadium right. absolutely loses its mind. Um, the players, I it, they, they almost you can watch them. They don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> then they show Saliba start. Saliba starts running after Nelson, then turns and wheels towards the corner and just kicks the flag for no reason. Except he can't think of anything else to do. Um, Jorginho's on the side. <laughs> Jorginho's on the sideline as a substitute. He's there warming up, stretching, and he's the first guy out there grabbing Nelson. He runs onto the field. Um, Odegaard just collapses to the ground where he is. Um, there's there's one point Arteta's running around hugging people. All of a sudden, he turns around and high fives. There's like a six year old on the in the coach's box with him. <laughs> and he high fives him, and then he has this moment of recognition, like, "Oh, you're not supposed to be here," and sort of walks it back toward the stands. Like just just complete, <laughs> just complete. And again, this is you know they used to be Arsenal used to be their old stadium Highbury which was I think it's built like 1912 it was it'd been renovated but still fairly old kind of very intimate kind of small fans are really close to the field the emirates isn't like that at all it is a modern stadium the fans are a distance mm-hmm. from the field it, you know it looks you know it looks kind of like it always looks like a stadium you'd see the NFL play in it doesn't look any it doesn't look mm-hmm. fairly unusual in that regard and so for it to go kind of crazy like that, and then, you know, again, a, a, a six-year-old child is there on the field. Like, how <laughs> how does this happen? <laughs> you know, it's just just was insane. he a mascot? I mean, do the mascots stay in the dugout, or do they? No, go no, to he the was. They actually after? found him. They actually found him. There's vi- there's video of him. He's he has a front row seat. He's actually a fan. He's literally a fan. Oh. They found him. He's. He's so sitting just in like the front snuck row, over the wall. I, 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 who knows? Maybe, maybe you know, jumping up and down, they <laughs> fell over. I, you know, I really just, uh, yeah. yeah. No one's really quite sure that happened. Again, you know, because nothing ends up happening, it's fine. You know, it's not like the, right. it's not like the Tottenham guy who jumped on right. and kicked Aaron Ramsdale. It's nothing like that at all. This is a fun, right? Still kind of like right. what is what is happening? Right. Oh boy. I, I just, think, uh, to me at least, I would imagine a lot of the the craziness of a celebration is probably just how unlikely it was. Just that you you've resigned yourself. I think at that point, 
whether not and thankfully not to the point where they stopped trying they never actually admitted defeat which mm-hmm. definitely remarkable and it's what won them the match but it's like you know at that point the likelihood of you winning it is like practically nothing because it was past the minimum the minimum stoppage time already yes although like, although you know i know how this goes <laughs> yeah although i will say deservedly they because bournemouth was getting pretty bad on the time wasting in the second half and even during stoppage time they were time wasting and full credit right. to the referee for, right or although actually i should say i did hear there is a line apparently the premier league and everywhere else around the world is preparing next season to go to a world cup stoppage time that is they're going to calculate that much better um sort of like we saw in the world cup so hopefully get ready for that i hope now, wait a second. I don't think we talked about that during the World Cup. So they oh, actually have think? a stopwatch calculating I when the ball's not in play. I, yeah, I don't remember that coming I don't up. know how they did it exactly, but like in the first half, everyone immediately, in the first game, everyone said, why are there 10 minutes of stoppage time? And basically they were Right, right. We, I noted that it was higher. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah. They were, they were calculating, they were, apparently they were counting it differently. And, you know, people, you know, people kind of liked it because it, the time wasting is frustrating, certainly to us, you know, when you're chasing the game like we were. Um, but you know, it's it's frustrating even to a neutral fan. I mean, this is this is the this is entertainment. This is the entertainment business, and stuff like that isn't very entertaining. Games are entertaining. Playing is entertaining. Goals are entertaining. Right. So, um, you know, you you need, you know, if you can get rid of that, that's better for everybody, and. Um, yeah, it, it, it's better for everybody. And so hopefully that, that does yeah. end up being the case. And uh but you know that it, it does create and and you know, you and I you and I have, have have long talked, I wouldn't say we became friends because of this, but we've long talked because of our, our, our tastes in entertainment and how we enjoy scripted entertainment. Mm-hmm. This this to me is the big difference between the two of them. Uh, you know, as as great as scripted entertainment can be, there is something about that the unscripted moment that comes with it, not just the moment itself, but that it comes with the, the baggage and the drama that it starts with. Right. I mean, in a sense, a last second goal is always exciting, but in the context of coming from behind in the context of being at the top of the league, chasing the title on uh, the context of, you know, a player like Reese Nelson getting the goal and what we talked about his background, you start to add all of those things up and, I, I'll be honest, all the stuff with the celebrations, everything, every single thing about that, I noticed reading things about the game afterwards, because in the moment, what happened, we were all running around the bar, screaming and yelling and hugging and jumping up and down. We didn't notice anything. Right. It was, you right. know, you just let that moment sort of wash over you. I don't know. what were, Where were you? What, were, what was your environment as you, as you were watching the game? <laughs> I know it's a little different than normal. Well, yeah, slightly. So what what had happened was that was the day before we left on our trip and we were going to be leaving for the airport fairly early in the morning the next day. So um, I didn't I wasn't able to watch it live. And then when I took a break from packing another preparation that I was doing around noon, around lunchtime, I went to start watching the replay and the text that Peacock gave was not clear. It said, this will be available for one day or some, something that made it sound to me like the replay wouldn't be available until the next day, which I'm accustomed to when the match had aired on USA Network or something. Um, so I'm thinking, oh, great. Well, I guess I'll have to try and squeeze it into my first day of vacation somehow trying to get this match in. But I did check again later and saw, oh, okay, no, the replay is available. So once I was completely done with all packing, like fairly late... <laughs> On Saturday, I sat down to watch this. And so, yeah, I was like, you know, facing six hours of sleep time or less before I needed to get up for the flight and like tired and ready to go to bed and just still like crazy and practically like jumping up and down, definitely fist pumping. And (laughs) no one to share it with, sadly, because everyone else was asleep. But uh, (laughs) yeah, no, it was... uh... (laughs) It was, I went to bed very happy, uh, much, much more so than if I had stopped at the end of the first half or something, <laughs> certainly. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was great. And, and yeah, and I think kind of building on what you were saying before about some of the differences between 
scripted entertainment and this, I think what really draws people into a lot of scripted entertainment where you get a lot of the most memorable moments, even in scripted entertainment, is when you do have an existing relationship with the characters. I think that's what you're seeing with the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's where TV shows have become in many ways a lot more of a of people's primary form of video entertainment over movies to a large degree because you get those in-depth relationships. It's why you see so many things that are getting series instead of movies now, right? Uh, like, you know, Disney Plus is a great example. It's a lot of their key properties. Star Wars hasn't had a movie in a while, but they've had some pretty good TV series that have gotten a lot of traction. I think it's just having seven, eight hours with the character is so much more powerful than two hours. And I mean, when it comes to even the one season of Arsenal, the one half season I've watched so far, I mean, you're talking about, uh, let, let's do some back of the envelope math. I mean, 20 match no 25 matches at this point 26 all well 26 premier league matches not even counting europa league and, and fa cup matches but like just 26 matches you're talking 26 times like an hour and a half each match i mean that's that's like a serious that's like a, a full american season of television like 24 like hour-long episodes i mean that's that's a lot and like and the season's halfway done that's I have that background with these with these players. And I don't think that this victory would have hit me in the same way, even just a few months ago as it did now, you know, like I'm getting into it more, like I'm enjoying it more. We, we had a blowout in the first half of the season that was similar in magnitude to the Everton one. I don't recall the exact match, but and it, it was fun, but it, it like, I, I enjoyed it in a different way. Like I am starting, <laughs> starting to get that a little bit, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I you know, and and that's the fun of the, that's the fun of the long season. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we're gonna, however it ends, it's gonna feel. You're gonna look back and like see the lineup for some. Somehow you're gonna see the lineup on opening day, thinking, "Man, we started like that." It's it's a long yeah. August. <laughs> August was a long time ago, and we've still got three months to go. Um, we we have twelve yeah. games left in the league, plus whatever happens uh, in Europe um, with with the Europa League. So. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah, so um, just a couple things that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, one was with Everton. There was a symbol, a shape, I don't know exactly what to call it, on their jerseys and I guess on their uniforms. It was in multiple places. It was like kind of in the top back of their jersey. It was in the crest, actually. I think it was even like on the backs of their socks or something. Mm -hmm. What What is that? Do you know what that is? Yes, yeah, so that is... Oh, I, I just had it up. It is... Um, hold on, I was actually just looking at it. It is uh, a, a building sure. in, in Liverpool, in the Everton section of Liverpool, called the Everton Lockup. Uh, also called Prince Rupert's Tower, um, which is a so it's a, a building. Uh, yes, it is uh, from the it is uh, what is it from uh, the Georgian period, uh, so the uh, 18th okay. century. Um, yeah, it is a. It used to be a. So this this is Wikipedia. I pulled this up. The, the is opened in 1787. <laughs> originally, an overnight holding place where local drunks and criminals were taken by parish constables. Um, it is so the the friends of Everton Park included the lockup in their Everton Park Heritage Trail. So it's a, essentially it's an old historic building in the Everton section. Um, right. It, it's it's sometimes called Prince Rupert's Tower. Uh, because there was a Prince Rupert's Royalist Army camped in the area during the English Civil War, uh, but it w does it does not date back to the English Civil War. It's quite a bit younger than that. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's. I feel it, I guess I feel at least a little silly for not knowing that England had a civil war. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, the 1640s. It ended. It ended with uh, the, it ended with a military dictatorship. We don't really think of England as a country with a military dictatorship, but Oliver Cromwell absolutely no. was. Um, but you know, oh, okay, the 16, yeah. the 16, four, 1650s, man, what a time, what a time. Um, mm. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's essentially a historic, a historic building. Uh, Everton has had it, a version of the building, uh, as their crest or on their crest since 1938. 
Um, apparently, he said, here you go, again, per Wikipedia, in May 1997, Averton gave 15,000 pounds for renovating the structure, and in February 2014, the lockup was permanently illuminated blue, which I assume means uh, at night. They light it up in blue. So it's, it's, it, is right. a, I oh, cool. it, it is a historic building uh, in Everton, and they've connected right. it to uh, the club, which is in that, again, in that area of Liverpool. Yeah. I always forget that, yeah, that Everton is a part of Liverpool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have okay. a, they are, their um, historic longstanding rival is, of course, Liverpool. Uh, they play the Merseyside sure. Derby, of course, on the, along the Merseyside River. Um, and, it, you know, yeah. poor, poor Everton. They are uh, historically one, a, a really good club. They've actually got a, a handful of titles to their name. Uh, they have, um, yeah, they've been in the top division. They've they've only missed four top flight seasons. They're one of the teams that has never been relegated from the Premier League since the early '90s, and they right. actually have won uh, the league a handful of times. The downside for them, of course, is that their their neighbors and arch rivals are Liverpool, who are the most decorated team in one of the most decorated teams in England. So, um, right, poor, poor Everton. Yeah, I think they'd said during the match that they hadn't been relegated from top flight since the fifties. I think like fifty four mm-hmm. is sticking in my head for some reason. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's going to be interesting if that ends up happening. We'll, we'll have to stay. Yeah, tuned. they are they are in real um, danger of of having that happen. But they yeah. are they are an old historic club. They've won the league uh, kind of uh, nine times, which is actually the most outside of. Uh, well, actually, it's fourth all time. They're actually fourth all time in titles behind um, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester United. Huh. Huh. Well, they also haven't won it since that. 1980. Um, it has been since 1987. So you know, ooh, that stings. Okay, yeah, <laughs> interesting coda. So um, they had also mentioned during the coverage, I think it was of the Everton match, um, that Ramsdale is in contention for the Golden Glove Award, which I guess they award to the best keeper. What they were specifically talking about was his number of clean sheets, which as we've covered before, that's that's the colloquialism for when a keeper doesn't allow any goals during a match. Um, mm-hmm. Is that the only thing that they go by? I mean, as, aside from tiebreakers, like if you have more clean sheets than another keeper, is that it you win or what? What else do we go by? Do you know? Yeah, so the the Golden Glove is given out to uh, the keeper who keeps the most clean sheets. So shutouts. Uh, the, okay. In that case, it is directly right. tied to a shutout. Um, it, it, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm not sure I actually knew it was tied. I only because I looked it up. It's tied directly to shutouts. It is an interesting conversation though about what is it that makes you know a good keeper or a good or a good goaltender. Um, because you see a lot of comparison in, in ice hockey, the stat they actually compare focus on a lot is save percentage. Um, which right. in some ways is probably a better way of judging judging the keeper, the goalie. I mean, you saw, you know, Ramsdale because of the way Arsenal plays doesn't actually face a lot of shots, but also he, you know, is he's called upon to make a handful of big saves, and he and he does, and so um, right. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I was asking the question because it does seem like an odd thing to be the only factor and and it does make sense a little bit because I know they were talking during the all or nothing documentary a lot about um he's going to lose the clean sheet for this match or or whatever like that is something that they think about a lot and now mm-hmm. that makes a little more sense to me as at least one reason why they would be placing such importance on their number of clean sheets but yeah it does not seem like the most important statistic for a keeper yeah i mean in this case it is tied directly to that particular award but also for a lot of keepers it's personal pride again we talk about this with with the sport goals are hard to come by um just looking up the the numbers i'm looking at here at ramsdale has 11 clean sheets on the season uh the he is second behind nick pope of newcastle who has 12 uh also newcastle rarely gives up any goals at all so uh you know great that he's on there but you look at i mean yeah i not surprisingly, uh, David De Gea at United and Aderson at Manchester City are up near the top of the list, too, which makes sense. They're also in the top three. Uh, so, you know, it, it, so that's not, a, you know, yeah. not a surprise that follow that's going to track a lot with with, you know, where teams are in the stand. Well, right. 
Yeah, in that, but yeah, right. That makes sense. I, yeah, it's just it's just weird because it's like the, to me it measures the whole defense, and yeah, the the keeper is like the chief defender, but you know, yeah, it's it's not solely his. Like it's yeah, I think if they went by save percentage, I think that would that would make more sense to me. But I'm not making the decision, so <laughs> that's their problem, I guess. Um, Sigh, no one asked me. No one asked me, as I, as I like to say. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, what's up for uh, next week? All right. We, uh, yeah, as I said, we have two games again this week. On Thursday at uh, midday kickoff, uh, it is the first leg of the round of 16 Europa League uh, showdown with Sporting. We'll be in Lisbon. Well, at least the team will be in Lisbon. I will not. I will be at work, unfortunately. I would like to be in Lisbon, actually. Just it, as a general thing, I nice. suppose. Uh, but yeah, anyway, they'll, they'll play sporting in the first leg. Again, it is a total goals. So, um, Well, yeah, I, you don't yeah. say again. I don't think that we've covered this on the show. I think you and I had talked about it when I was planning this trip, and we were seeing mm. that there were going to be two two matches for the round of 16 and you were, you were explaining to me offline about that. So, so why don't you explain how, how that'll work? Sure. So what'll end up happening is they will play two games. They'll play this one, the first leg uh, at sporting in Lisbon. And then the second leg will be uh, next Thursday uh, in London at the Emirates, or excuse me, since it's Europe, they can't call it the Emirates for sponsorship reasons. Uh, So it's going to be (laughs) Arsenal stadium, um, which is always cut, which always interesting, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, they will play the two legs. Uh, it's total goals, so it's the total number of goals you score across the two games. The important difference there being that for, for years, actually for most of the history of Euro- European football or any of these tournaments, the first tiebreaker was away goals. So the number of goals you scored when you were in the with a visitor uh, was the first huh. tiebreaker. They have done they have done away with that. So it's not just total goals. If they are tied at the end of the second game next week, uh, they will go to extra time. And then penalties, like we saw in the World Cup. Um, oh, okay. The obvious answer is, you know, the 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 easiest, the quote unquote easiest way to advance in any European competition or any competition: draw at home, win on the road, or excuse me, win at home, draw on the road. So, um, you know, if we win in Lisbon, we're in great shape. If we draw, we're in fine shape. Right. And even if we lose one nil or lose by a goal, that's not a terrible right. place to be. We very make it curious, up. yeah, yeah. Given, you know, I. Well, given the importance of the league title, I'll be very curious to see how Arteta plays this game, what the lineup looks like. Um, do we see Jakub Kivior, uh, the, the Polish defender we signed in January, who has yet to play a minute for Arsenal? I, do we see him? Um, you know, does Emil Smith Rowe going to start? Be curious to see how he plays that decision. Uh, so that's Thursday, and then on Sunday, because when you play on Thursday, your games move to Sunday. On Sunday, we go to Fulham. Uh, Fulham is currently in seventh. They are having a pretty decent season. They are a dangerous team. Craven, Craven Cottage, uh, nice old ground. That's a, they're a good team and they're one we need to, we need to be careful with. Um, cause the, we talked about, yeah, we finished that four game stretch. We should have picked up a bunch of points. Well, now it gets a little tougher, uh, going to, go, going to Fulham, going to West London. So uh they'll have to right. they'll have to keep their heads about them and whatever happens in sport whatever happens in lisbon sort of put it behind you it's a it's a tough game to stick between the european legs but this is this is what happens this time of year so right um i didn't get a chance to look it up over the weekend and and it's relevant um where where are we so how many points clear are we of manchester how did they do in their their match this week uh yeah so city played uh, right before us they played newcastle and beat them 2-0 we are 5 points clear currently uh so okay. we have 63 points they have 58 uh we're both on 26 right. games so uh, the, right. the other difference is, uh, the, of course, the tiebreaker of goals. Uh, they are plus 41. We are plus 34. I don't feel super confident right. that we'll overtake them on goals if we end up tied. Um, you know, it, obviously, if we overtake, chances are if we overtake them on goals, we're probably well ahead of them on points anyway. Uh, so I'm, right. I, I, t- goals is not what I'm, tra- goal difference is not what I'm tracking particularly close at this point. With the Everton match, we did close the goal difference a little we bit. Did, we did a little bit, yeah. but then City turned around and won 2-0 against Newcastle and we, you know, won by a goal yeah. against Bournemouth. So, 
Uh, you know, again, if we yeah. both keep winning, it's going to be hard to make up that difference. But is, if we keep winning, we'll stay ahead of them. Uh, Manchester United are talked sure. about as being in the title race. They're currently, they have a game in hand on both of us, but they're currently on 49 points. So they are uh, yeah. nine behind City and, quick math, I think that's 14 behind, uh, 14 behind us. Uh, also, right. on Sunday, they played Liverpool and they lost 7-0. So, ooh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, they got they got thumped uh, this weekend. So, I, you know, you'll hear about wow. United maybe being in the title race. United's not really in the title race. It's between us and City. And, um, yeah, there's 12 games left. We're about two-thirds of the way through the season. We, got 12, we each have 12 games left. So, uh, and including one of them, of course, being... Um, at the Etihad, so oh boy, right? Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends, especially by making a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate that. If you want to listen the, the night we record, you can become a Gooner U super fan to download a raw, unedited recording right away. Start a free trial on Apple Podcasts. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching arsenal matches come on you reds